Lord. First Kings chapter 18 this morning. First Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. And Elijah went and showed himself to Ahab, and now the famine was severe in Samaria. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the eternal promise of your presence. Today, as we come to your word, I ask that you would speak through my lips of clay, that you would anoint me to preach and teach your word, and I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to continue our message from last week regarding the long obedience in the same direction. We're talking about living under an open heaven and about walking in the journey of life under the open heaven that God has for those who put their confidence and dependence upon Him. We saw the illustration of the life of Elijah last week and how God took him on a journey by stages just like he does all of us in order to bring him to the place of the fulfillment of his divine assignment and his divine purpose. And there are a key, there's a key, a phrase that is used at the beginning of chapter 17 and is used again in the beginning of chapter 18. There are opposite phrases, both spoken by God and Both part of the assignment that God gives to all of our lives. In chapter 17 and verse 3, he said to Elijah, go and hide yourself. And then in chapter 18 verse 1, we see the Lord says, go and show yourself. These two assignments represent two seasons in the life of Elijah. One of the seasons was a season of hiding. A time in which he was to be in the shadows. And this was a season in which he experienced the supernatural provisions of God in an extraordinary way. He went to the brook called Kareth and there he received the food from the ravens. And they brought him meat and bread on a daily basis twice a day. And he drank water from the brook until the brook dried up. And then when God's time was done and that brook dried up... God said to him, now go into the, into the uh, Gentile land and I have uh, prepared a widow. I've commanded a widow to sustain you. And now we see him hiding in the house of a widow. There God provided again through the life of, of Elijah. And we see the, the stages in which God takes him on. And, and we saw that in the, in the, uh, by the brook he learned that he was to depend upon God's instruction. And then in the house of the widow, we learned that he was to be a miracle in someone else's life. That he was to be a blessing. And now we hear the change of the, of the, of the assignment. And God says, now go and show yourself. It's important for every believer to know as you walk with God to discern the season that you're in. The Bible speaks about the sons of Issachar, that they were men who understood the times. 
And you and I must be the same. And because we are a, a born-again believer, because Jesus Christ has given us spiritual birth and spiritual life, and we have been indwelled by the Spirit of God, we have access to divine information and the ability to discern the places and the moments that God is leading us through. And sometimes God takes us to a place where He wants to hide us. Maybe right now you're saying, but pastor, I want to be noticed. I want to be promoted. I want to be seen. I want to do a great work. And maybe that's going to happen, but not now. God says right now, I have you in a hiding place. Right now, I have you in a place of protection, a place of provision, a place where I want you to grow, where I want you to uh, nurture your relationship with me. I, I'm not too concerned with you doing all of that other stuff right now. What I want is for you to be with me, for you to learn of me. That is why, uh, as you read the Bible, you discover that God went and, and put Moses in the wilderness for 40 years, a long hiding place. But the longer the stent of his hiding, the, the longer would be the power and the effect of his ministry. We see that God took Joseph, a young man with a dream, a desire to do some great thing. And, and in his heart, he knew he would be a governor, a ruler of many people. And yet God, for 13 years, hid Joseph in a prison cell. And he, he hid him away from public view. And, and uh, all the while was working on his heart and preparing his character to be the man that ultimately would, would lead and govern the nation of Egypt. We see God use the same pattern in the life of David. He comes through the prophet Samuel at David's young age and, and he anoints him to be king. And the oil of God's anointing flows upon David's head. But David would not be king for many more years. And for about 13 or 15 years, David was actually a man on the run. A fugitive from, from King Saul desiring to kill him. But God had him in a hiding place. God had him in a place where no one knew where he was or what he was doing but God. And then we see this pattern ultimately in the life of Jesus. He was born and for 30 years lived in absolute obscurity. Even the first year of his public ministry was not a very well, a very, a very uh, well promoted time in the ministry of Jesus. And, and yet we see the hiding place of God in all of that. What does the Bible say? We sang it this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who hides in him. This morning, I hope that you have taken refuge in the Lord. I pray that as you go through uh, this journey by stages and as we confront the various challenges that come in life and in particular in the season of this pandemic, I pray that you have found your hiding place in the presence of God. The Bible says, blessed is he who hides in him. There is a place that is so secure that the very most powerful challenges of the devil cannot touch you. A place so secure that the mightiest earthquake cannot shake you. There is a place so secure that the most violent winds of change in time cannot move you. It is the presence of the almighty God. Blessed is he who takes refuge in Him. Psalm 91 famously declares about the hiding place. It tells us about the blessing that comes to that man or that woman who has found refuge in God. 
It tells us about that man or woman. Uh, many of us have experienced this very psalm in these days. Where we've come to realize that there is a refuge, a resting place, a hiding place. And the Bible tells us that it is a place under God's covering. Under God's wing. A place of divine protection. And a place where God is doing something in your life. Never ever believe that God is wasting time in your life. It does, it may not seem like much is happening at a particular moment, but God is always working. God is always up to something. And He says, if you will hide in the shadow of the Almighty, if you will take refuge under His wings, If you will say, God is my refuge and my, and my uh, bulwark, my shield, that place of security, friend, can be found every season of life. And as I mentioned last week, you don't ever want to be too proud for the way that God might use. He used a raven by the brook. He used a widow at Zarephath, a place That would seem weak and insignificant. Maybe beyond or below his standard of living. And yet a place assigned by God. And now God says go and show yourself to Ahab. These words uh, they just kind of roll over our mind. They don't have too much uh, uh, depth to them as as we think about them. But they are profound because first of all. Now, Elijah had been told by God to hide. And now he's being told by God to go and show himself. And he says, go show yourself to Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel. He's the king of Samaria. And he is a violent and vicious man. Not as violent as his wife, Jezebel. But a man who has a, a uh, hit list and at the top of his list, Is Elijah. That's why Elijah's been hiding. Elijah's not the only one hiding. All the prophets are hiding. When, when, the, when the word of the Lord was declared by Elijah saying it's not going to rain in Israel for three, until I give the word. And Ahab began to look out and seek out Elijah to kill him. And so God has Elijah in hiding as well as all the other prophets because there is an assignment to kill him. There's a king trying to kill him. There's a, an enemy, an adversary who has uh, desires and has designs for the destruction of the prophet of God. And now God says to him, go and show yourself to Ahab. Listen, friends, when you have been in the hiding place with God, When you have been in that place of security, when God is your refuge, you won't be afraid of facing the hitman when you've got to face him because you know that God is your hiding place. Come on, somebody. That God is your refuge. When you have come up against uh, the enemy and you have, you have run to the place of shelter, the place of security, you can face the enemy with, without any fear. The Bible tells us that Ahab and Obadiah, his assistant, were out on a reconnaissance mission. They were looking for grass for their, their livestock. It hadn't rained for three years now. The famine was severe. People were dying of hunger. And the king's 
cattle were, uh, were no different. And so they, they, the king said, let's go out and you go one way and I'll go the other. And let's hope we can find some grass somewhere in some valley on some hillside. Maybe we missed something. Maybe there's something out there. And uh, all of the ranchers in here, you understand what kind of situation that might be. There was no tractor supply. There was no... There were no John Deere tractors. It was misery. And while they go out to look, all of a sudden, here comes Elijah. And he runs into Obadiah, the assistant. Now, Obadiah was Ahab's assistant, but he was also a man of God. And he himself had hidden many of the prophets and had taken them into caves and would take them bread and water just to sustain them. And so he was a man of God, but he was scared to death of Ahab, the boss. And, and when he saw Elijah, he said, oh, Elijah, uh, you uh, are going to get me into trouble. Uh, this, this, uh, this king of ours is looking for you. And uh, he says to Obadiah, take me to Ahab. Tell him I'm looking for him. Tell him that I have come to settle the score. I've come to settle some business. And with very great boldness, he faces the challenge of death itself. Why? Because he has been in the hiding place. Listen, there's this a reason why many people have bold declarations, but they don't have uh, anything to support it. Their spirit's not really supporting it. Why? Because they haven't been in the hiding place. But when you've been in the place of refuge, when you've been in the hiding place, you know that God's going to back up your word when you speak because you've heard from God. Obadiah says, no. He says, look, uh, if I go tell Ahab that you are looking for him, and he's going to come here and you're going to be gone because God will carry you away somewhere. And then he'll, he'll end up killing me. And he said, no, you tell him that I'm looking for him. When he finally meets the king of Israel, the king says to him, there's the troubler of Israel. This is the man causing all the trouble around here. And Elijah says, no, I am not the one who's troubled Israel. You've troubled Israel. Because you brought foreign gods into this house. You brought in, you brought in false teaching into the house of God. You're the one who's troubled Israel. And he says, and now we're going to settle it. He said, call all the prophets of your gods and tell them to meet me at Mount Carmel. Because I am going to challenge you to a, a to a, a, a spiritual confrontation. He said, we're going to raise up two altars. And you pray to your God, and I'll pray to mine. And the God that answers by fire, he will be God in Israel. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about boldness. I'm talking about there comes a point in your journey with God when you know that you know that you know that God will not let you down. He cannot fail. And that you can speak boldly in his name. Faith always speaks boldly. They go to this confrontation at Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, they build an altar. And all morning long, they are chanting and praying and dancing around this altar. And they're praying for the god Baal to send fire and consume the altar. And there's no answer. They get desperate. And in their demon worship, they start cutting themselves. Thinking maybe if we cut ourselves, that our God will answer. Listen, friends, any God that requires you to harm yourself and to bring harm to your body is not God. 
The Bible tells us of a God who's come to heal, not hurt. He's come to heal your wounds, not to wound you. And religion always wants you to shed your own blood. But I've come to tell you there's a God who has shed his blood for you. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. And you and I can come to him by simple faith. Elijah said, all right. Pray louder. Maybe he's deaf. Because you know Elijah and Israel, all of them knew that God is not deaf. He says, keep praying, maybe he's on a journey. He's gone on vacation, maybe. He was letting them know, maybe your God can't be everywhere at once. My God can. He said, maybe he's taking a nap. Shout a little louder, you might need to wake him. He was taunting them because he knew that he that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad we serve a God who doesn't sleep or slumber? A God who doesn't need to nap or rest? Come on, he is the eternal God of heaven. And he's always on call. He's always on duty. He's always on watch. The psalmist says that unless the Lord guards the city, they who watch keep watch in vain. Finally, Elijah says, all right, that's enough. You've had your turn. He comes. He builds an altar. He takes 12 stones and he erects them as an altar. And then he takes a shovel and he he digs a ditch, a trench around the altar. He was signifying that the altar of Yahweh must be separate from the altars of this world. There are many altars in this life and there are many altars in the world, many altars in in human hearts, but there's only one altar that God will respond to. There's only one sacrifice that will solicit an answer from God. Elijah digs a trench around and he has his altar soaked wet with, with water. It's so wet with water that the trench is full. And this is a time when they need water. But he's letting them know, I'm not cheating. I haven't, I haven't stuffed a little, uh, a little ignition switch in there. I, I'm going to prove to you that this is the work of God. And I'm just here to tell you this morning that you might need to draw some lines this week. You might need to dig some trenches this week and say, look, enough is enough. Devil, this is as far as you go. Sin, this is as far as you go. That lifestyle that maybe has been compromising your your life, you need to draw a trench around your life and say, no more. I am going to serve the Lord. I am going to do it God's way. Come on, is the church here this morning? Then Elijah prayed a prayer. Not very long. Not very eloquent. He said, God, send the fire. The Bible says that the fire fell. Out of heaven came fire upon the altar that he had built. This was not an unusual circumstance. Really, when you study the Bible, you'll discover that when Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice to God, that God showed respect for his offering. Uh, Very most likely, that means that God sent a fire upon Abel's altar. 
When they dedicated the tabernacle and they prayed the prayer of dedication, fire came out of heaven and consumed the altar. When Solomon gave the, the offering of a thousand bullocks before God and he, in the altar of dedication, he prayed and God sent the fire. Friends, this altar represented the, the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it represented that bread and, and that, uh, that body and that uh, blood that you and I rep- uh, received this morning in the table of the Lord. It represented the fact that Jesus was going to come. And that he was going to become the altar for man's sin. That he was going to become the place of connection with God. That he was going to come and be the one and only place. And friends, you might say, well, why did Elijah pray for fire? It was water they needed. It was rain they needed. Why did he pray for rain? Because, friends, the curse needed to be broken. There was a curse on Israel because they had a a heaven of brass over them. Heavens were brass because of their sin. Their prayers weren't being answered because there was a curse over them. And the only way to break the curse is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to break the curse is the altar supplied by Jesus 2,000 years ago at the cross. He came and he offered his blood. He offered his body. And because of his offering, man, no matter how wretched and miserable his soul may have become, can be saved and made a new man and free from the curse of the law because of the sacrifice and the sufficiency of the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody help me celebrate Jesus and his cross this morning because he is the one that has freed us from the curse. And that fire fell as a signal, as a representation of God's acceptance of Elijah's offering. You remember that Jesus died on the cross. And 50 days later at the day of Pentecost, fire fell upon the church. God verified his acceptance of the sacrifice of Christ. By sending us the fire of the Spirit. Friend, I pray this morning that there's a burning, yearning in your heart. That there's a prayer in your soul. That there is a desire and a hunger. And that you are going before God and saying, God, send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. We need your power manifest in our life. Come on. Is there a church that's hungry for the presence of the living God? The fire fell and consumed the entirety of the altar. And then the Bible tells us that Elijah went to the next stage. What he needed was rain. Now the curse had been removed. And so he he goes up and he begins to pray for rain. And as he's, he's praying for rain, the scripture says he put his head between his knees. He knelt down on the ground and put his head between his knees. Now... I'm a very flexible man, but I'm not going to demonstrate that to you this morning. What does this, what does this mean? He's praying with intensity. It's an ironic uh, contrast when you think about the fact that a few hours ago, he prayed a little prayer and got fire. And now he's got to pray a desperate and earnest prayer. To get the rain. I think it's important for us to realize. That just because. It's hard. Doesn't mean. That it's not right. 
There are some things that come real easy. Some things you pray about and they show up before you even say amen. And then other things you pray about and they come slow. And I just want to encourage you with this because the easy things aren't really the things that God is trying to bring into your life. He wants you to find that place where you can get into a breakthrough. The kind of breakthrough that doesn't just bless you but blesses the nation. The kind of breakthrough that doesn't just bless you but blesses the people around you. Elijah begins to pray. He begins to pray for rain. He tells his servant, run up to the top of the mountain. And uh, if you ever come to Israel with me someday, I'll show you Mount Carmel. And you can see from Mount Carmel, you can see the Mediterranean Sea. But it's just between uh, a, a couple of mountains. So it's not a very big view. And, and he says, go look at the top of the mountain and tell me what you see. So he comes back and he says, I don't see anything. So Elijah keeps praying. He's praying for rain. And he goes back up. He says, I don't see anything. Seven times he came up and down that mountain. And Elijah's not getting the answer yet. But he keeps praying. He keeps insisting that God will do what he said he would do. Why? Because God said, go and show yourself to Ahab. And I will send rain upon the earth. Come on, is there anybody who's willing to believe? Come on, somebody. Anybody that's willing to believe in spite of what you see, in spite of what you don't see, to keep standing on the unchanging word of God. Finally, the servant says, well, you know, I actually, I see a cloud. It's the cloud of the size of a man's hand. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to obey God based on a small sign? A small instruction. See, some of us want to want to obey God when there's a dark cloud covering the whole sky. But Elijah was willing to say, you know what, God has answered. I have the answer already. All he saw, all the servants saw, was a cloud the size of a man's hand. But as far as Elijah was concerned, God had already answered. Come on, somebody. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Come on, you may not see it all and you may not even see much. But if God has sent you little, then you can count on the rest. Come on, somebody. God is able to save, the Bible says, by many or by few. And he he tells his servant, he says, run and tell Ahab to start running home. Because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Is the church here this morning? Now I want you to understand what's going on here. In the natural, it's a small cloud. But in his spirit, there's a storm. In his spirit, there's a rumbling, roaring voice from God. Come on, you've gotta be, you've gotta be willing on this journey by stages to know I'm not gonna obey God by what I see. I'm gonna obey God by what I know in my spirit, by what I know in my inner man, that I know that God has spoken, that I know that God has promised, and I know that God will deliver in my life. Come on, is there a church in here? That can hear the voice of God. How do you know? I just know. He says, run and tell the king to get on his chariot and go home. 
If not, he's going to get stuck in the mud. I hear a storm coming. And Ahab gets on his chariot and starts running home. And the raindrops start falling. And then Elijah starts running. And Elijah starts running at the same pace as the chariot. Come on, somebody. This was a man of power. A man of extraordinary power. So he gets home. Puts on his slippers. His bathrobe. He's sitting on his easy chair. Drinking a coffee he picked up at the new Starbucks. And he gets an email. Ding. And he reads the email. From Jezebel. And it's very simple. Very direct. What you did to the prophets of Baal. Which was he ex- executed the prophets of Baal. I'm going to do to you. The very same thing you did to them, I'm going to do to you. And Elijah collapses into fear. I'm talking about a long obedience in the same direction. Because it's easy to serve God when the rain is falling. When the enemy is running. When prayers are being answered. But you still have to believe God. When bad news is coming. You still have to believe God when trouble is brewing and your name is on it. Elijah collapses. This, this story is not one in which we, we can stand in judgment over Elijah because he's the, the man of God's faith and power and, and he collapses in the same way that we do many times. And, and those of you in particular who are in the ministry who are servants of God, you know what it can be like to stand in the pulpit on Sunday and deliver your heart and feel like God spoke through you from heaven and then by Monday you have the blues. Life will kick you around sometimes. Troubles will come out of nowhere and sometimes your greatest successes are followed by tremendous Lows. And I've come today to tell you that when you are in that place, when you have collapsed into fear, when you have received the word and that assignment against you, that that is the place to go back to the hiding place, back to the refuge and take refuge in the arms of God. And Elijah gets... He gets to running and he starts traveling. He's traveling. He's traveling south. He's trying to get away. He's going through the desert. And he's finally, he gets tired and he sits under a tree. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and prepares him a meal. And says, Elijah, rise and eat. 
Because you have a long journey ahead of you. This journey's not over. Just because, just because you're in a low spot, just because you're in a place of dis- discouragement, just because you have faced a challenge that, that has rocked you to your core, this journey's not over. This is a long obedience in the same direction. Pastor, what is the direction? What is this long obedience in the same direction? What is the direction? The Bible makes it very clear. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're running a race that's been set before us. And this race is toward Him. He is the goal and the aim of life. Pastor, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? It is to know God, to pursue Him, to know Him, and to fulfill His assignment for your life. To bring Him glory. Friends, I'm here to tell you that you sit under an open heaven. That doesn't mean challenges will never come. But it means this, that when the challenges come, God will give you the strength to rise and keep going. To keep marching, to keep walking, to keep going in the direction of your victory. And he gets up and he travels for 40 days. I think you can get there faster. But he's depressed. And when you're depressed, you move slowly. Forty days is a long time to be blue. To be sad. Now this year started and I know all throughout this church that there's been some blows from one end and the other. And some of you have received news that's knocked the wind out of you. And maybe you're walking slow. You just keep walking. You keep walking toward God. You keep marching toward hope. You keep walking toward the place of that hiding place with God. Where was Elijah going? He wasn't aimless. He wasn't listless. He was going to a particular place. The Bible said he was going to the mountain of God. The very same mountain that God had appeared to Moses on. In a burning bush. The place that Elijah is now going was the place that Moses took the people of Israel to. And when they saw the the presence of God descend upon that mountain. And now Elijah is going to that place. Something in him knows. If I can just get into the presence of God. If I can just get into the mountain of God. If I can just get to the place where God is 
speaking, then I'll be all right. And I've come to tell you this morning, church, you've got to run to the mountain. You've got to run to the place where God is. I know that there are some challenges you're facing, but there is a place of security, a safe place, a hiding place where you can run and where where you can be at rest. And he runs in to a cave in the mountain. And he hides. He waits for God to come. The Bible says there was a strong wind. But God was not in the wind. There was an earthquake. And the mountain shook, but God was not in the earthquake. And he heard a still small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah. If you study the Hebrew, it really just says Elijah. Elijah's name meant Yahweh is God. And God was reminding him of his name. I am God. And he says, he says, Lord, I, I have been reverential and fearful of you, and I have done all that you'd signed me to do. And I am alone, and I am afraid. Let's just have my funeral right now. Let's just call it a day. I've done enough. My resume is pretty full. And, and God says, are you ready? God says to him, you're not done. This is a long journey in the same direction. No, no, I'm done. I quit already. I turned in my paperwork. I have, I have officially retired. I'm out of the ministry. I have quit. No, you're not done, Elijah. He said, you are going to get off this mountain and you're going to go and you're going to anoint Elisha in your place. And then you're going to go and anoint Jehu to be the king of Israel. And whatever they do not do, then the other will do. But this job is going to get done. You are going 
to see the job done. And Elijah rises from that mountain of depression and discouragement. From that place of uncertainty and fear. And he rises back with the same confidence he had at the beginning of chapter 18. Why? Because he had returned to the hiding place. He had returned to the place of refuge. This morning, God calls you to come back to the hiding place. And listen for him. Your strength is in him. But just stand with me this morning. Just where you are. Just lift your hands to heaven. Just run to the hiding place this morning. Run to that place of safety. Where your soul can be anchored. In God. And if you want to come into this altar, you do that. No one's going to lay hands on you this morning, but you come if you need to come. If not, right where you are, just experience, receive the presence of God in your life. Just take the strength that He's supplying to you right now. The strength to fulfill the assignment. God is calling the church. He's saying to her, go and show yourself to Ahab. Your day of confrontation is coming. The day of revelation is coming. But this day, as you stand in the hiding place, as you stand in the place of God's presence, God is putting in you the boldness. To confront the enemy that you face. And he says if you will do that. I will send rain. I will send provision. I will send breakthrough. I will send deliverance. But you've got to do it from the place of safety. From the presence of God. Come on, maybe you're collapsing this morning. You're collapsing. But God will not let you fall. Rise up. Stand in your identity in Christ. It's time to fight back. It's time to push against the, the waves of the enemy.